Well, hello, America, and welcome to the Robin Walters Show. This is a special Independence Day program that I felt led to get out. Uh, it's it's going to be a little bit different. I don't want to rail on anybody in particular, no matter how much they deserve to be railed upon. But it's time to consider something that just moved me this morning to go ahead and do this program, and that is... The, the fact that our independence requires something. Our independence on this Independence Day weekend, it depend, our independence requires dependence upon God. And I'm going to take a few minutes today just to show you why the forces in this country, the left, hates our history, why they hate our Constitution, how much they hate our founding fathers. They hate history so much that they won't teach it or they will recreate it and teach that which isn't true and accuse anybody and everybody who ever lived in the 19th century of some crime, presumably racism or something of that sort. It doesn't matter what they did. If they just lived back then, they're suspect. But the hatred of our founding fathers, our constitution, and our history is going to be revealed today by just how different we are today than what our founding fathers said. And so what I'd like to do today, something I've never done before, I am going to simply, with very little additional comment, quote from our founding fathers, in showing and and kind of establishing how what we were designed to be, what the goal was, how to some extent we achieved it, and because the left hates anything attached to morality, godliness, and righteousness, their desire is to bring this down, this country down as animated by Satan himself. But I want to start this with one thing, which I did share a little while ago. It was a couple of months ago that I shared this on the air, but it bears repeating because of the weekend upon which we are embarked. A couple of months ago, I had uh, I, I just had a restlessness in my spirit, the likes of which I just had not had in the middle of the night. There are times I get up. To in the middle of the night, and uh, God may give me a song. I love rewriting old songs with new lyrics. I love doing that. And sometimes I'll get one in the middle of the night. Sometimes there's something that I must, in fact, just read a passage of Scripture. When I am awakened, it's usually with a purpose to listen. And when I listen, I need to just I don't need to turn over and try to get back to sleep or if I have a dream get up and write it down make it plain upon the tablet as we are advised in the book of Habakkuk 
Well, this particular night, I just could not sleep. It was sort of a torment. I got up and I paced from the living room to the through my office, the dining room, the kitchen, family room, back around. I must have put three miles. I must have done a 5K inside my own house that night walking. Because I just and, and my I had one particular thing that I was possessed with this thought, God, what season are we in? What time of history specifically are we in? What time of history are we in? What is going on? Can you tell me? There have been so many times that the Holy Spirit has spoken to me. I don't contend to be a a prophet. But there are things that have been prophetically given to me, I feel, as it, particularly in the middle of the night, dreams that I know were prophetic, which I've shared on this program and I don't need to share today. But this particular night, I did not have a dream. I was just stirred and restless. And after all this pacing around back and forth, I did something really weird. I do not know why. I decided to go weigh myself. For what reason? I have no idea. I mean, not because, hey, I've done two miles in the house. Let me go check my weight. Let me see if I dropped a kilo or two. No, it wasn't that. It was just, it was spontaneous. Then I went into the closet where there's a digital scale. I don't know what I was thinking or what I thought it would prove, but I got on the scale after having asking God, pacing around the house, what time are we living in? And the scale read 1776. Now, mind you, there was a decimal point there. My weight was 177.6. And I realized that's it's my fighting weight, if you will. It's my fighting weight. 1776 was 177.6, but I did not see the decimal. The decimal was irrelevant. I looked down and I thought, oh, my Lord. The year we are in is in 1776. There is an oppression going on. Is there going to be a second fight for freedom? Is there going to be a second independence battle for this country? Well, it's on in the spiritual. Will it happen in the physical? I don't know. I don't know, except that that was what I had experienced And something yesterday struck me. And we're going to cover this more in the next podcast. But it blew me away. Back in November of 2021, a poll revealed that one-third of all Republicans felt that there was an increasing possibility of having to take up arms to defend ourselves against a tyrannical government. That November 2021, I read about yesterday. I did not. I did not read that back in November. Since November, I had that 1776 sort of premonition, if you will, or whatever you want to call it. But what happened then yesterday? On top of reading about that poll in November of 2021, which I did not know about was a second poll of 1,000 people that said they're one-third, just over 30%, just under a third of the people believe 
that arms will be necessary to protect ourselves against this government. What has changed in only, what, seven months? What has changed in seven months is not the number, one-third to almost one-third. It said in November of 2021, it was one-third of the Republicans. And now it's almost one-third of all people. It was 17% of independents. I think it's 11% of the Democrats. I have to check that number. And more on that next time. And I was chilled to the bone when I read that. And I thought, okay, I've got to do a program, but where does that, where does the, the programs, plural, start? And they start today with what I'm going to read to you from our founding fathers to show you what the design was, what the intent was, some of the goals and visions of which we achieved, and why we are where we are. And then we'll pick it up in the next podcast from here. But we're going to start at the foundation. Because what does Scripture say? If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, the way that's phrased in Scripture is nothing. If the foundation is destroyed, you have nothing to build upon. You have to start over. And no nation has ever recovered from that, as you will hear from four men much smarter than I, starting with Ben Franklin. He said, I'm just going to go through these quotes, Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. This was proposed by Franklin for the model of the great seal of the United States. This was how deeply it's in our fabric to oppose tyranny. And as I mentioned uh, about four months ago, the T-shirt I saw when traveling uh, worn by an elderly man, could barely walk. He had a walker, but I went over there and I had to tell him. I had, First of all, I had to stop him to make sure I read this T-shirt right. And it said, when tyranny becomes law, revolution becomes duty. Now, mind you, there's two kinds of revolutions which I've shared before, and I'm not speaking about that which is designed to overthrow a government, even though it's illegal, even though an election was stolen. Because the revolution in 1776 was not to overthrow England. We weren't going to dispossess England of their position of being the uh, empire over which the sun never sets. No, it was a secession. It was we are leaving. We're leaving. And if we have to defend ourselves, we will. And we did. The fact that it turned into a war was a, not a decision by the colonialists. It was a decision by the British government to keep us in abject, tyrannical submission. Just know that. Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Franklin next said, Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Then he said, Our cause is the cause of all mankind. We are fighting for their liberty 
in defending our own. Now consider this. Franklin was saying that in the defense and the fight for freedom in the United States was not just a U.S. cause. We're fighting for the freedom of all mankind with the thought, apparently, almost prophetically, that what might emerge from this this battle for freedom, for liberty, would then become an inspiration for all mankind throughout all the world. This was what apparently was conceived in Franklin's heart and the importance and the paradigm that would be set by a successful battle to come out from underneath tyranny, a defensive battle. If tyranny is imposed upon you, how do you get rid of it? You have to, you have to defend yourself. Franklin goes on to say, frequent recurrence to fundamental principles is absolutely necessary to preserve the blessings of liberty and keep a government free. Isn't that amazing? Frequent recurrence to fundamental principles. And when I read that, I just marveled almost to the point of goosebumps how we have been blessed by the Supreme Court that has returned us to the essence of what government can do by striking down this policy-making non-constitutional authority assumed by the Environmental Protection Agency, by returning us to the true meaning of the Second Amendment that states just can't sit around and decide who gets a gun and who doesn't who determined just yesterday on top of that New York case that there are four other states that have exceeded their limits, constitutional limits, in what kind of guns you can have and the size of magazines. You see what the Continental Congress knew and what the people knew at the time that the Constitution was derived was that the weapons that they had had to be equal to what the government had or there was no defense against a government in the manner and in the likes of which the Second Amendment was speaking, the defense of a free state necessary, the militia being necessary in the defense of the free state, the right of the people, the people, to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It doesn't mean that we only get muskets, what they had in 1776, or pea shooters or BB guns, No, the defense needs to be that we have the right to possess that which the police would have or the army would have in subjecting an insurrection or anything else. But if it's a tyrannical use by the government, this Supreme Court understands what what, um, Franklin was saying when he was saying frequent recurrence to fundamental principles. And, of course, that every person is created equal, which, of course, is in the preamble of the Constitution. But now we have Roe v. Wade on the trash heap. It never deserved its idolatrous reverence by anyone. And does that lead us into the battle? Does this lead us into the fight for freedom to speak up on behalf of those who are sentenced to die who have no voice? You decide, next quote, without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as wisdom and no such thing as public liberty without freedom of speech. 
Franklin 250 years ago addressing today's complete domination of all thought and speech by a mainstream media which are nothing but water-carrying lemmings of the left, determining what can be said and what cannot be said. Twitter, until Trump or until Musk takes over anyway, Facebook, Google, YouTube, all the shutting down of free speech by quasi-governmental organizations. Foreseen by Benjamin Franklin. There's no such thing as liberty without the freedom of speech. And do we have it? Less and less every single day. Franklin continues, freedom of speech is a principal pillar of a free government. When this support is taken away, the constitution of a free society is dissolved and tyranny is erected on its ruins. Republics derive their strength and vigor from a popular examination of the action of the magistrates. That's free speech. The freedom to question anything and everything about the government, who's in the government, what they're doing. We have a thing called the Freedom of Information Act. And we end up having to sue to have our own acts implemented to be able to to get that information for which we're supposed to statutorily have so that we can speak. Why do they not want to give it? Because they don't want us speaking about that which we find out. Drawing on 1 Samuel, Franklin says, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become more corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters, end quote. We have 423 governmental agencies, unelected bureaucrats and technocrats, which you can't fire. And I'm going to say right now, this is where I'm stepping away from the quotes. I've said this before. It seems to escape everyone on the media. That's why there's some things you only do here on this program. There is a way to drain the swamp. It's not how Trump did it. He did the best he knew how, and God bless him. You have to spank them financially. You have to have a Congress so unconcerned about their reelection that they will simply say, Department of Justice, we need you, but we don't need you the size that you are, and you're involved in a bunch of hanky-pank, and you, IRS, trying to... Uh, root out all conservative organizations to help Barack Obama get reelected. No, we're going to cut your budgets by 40%, 50%, 60%. We're going to have a housing glut in Washington, D.C. and Fairfax, Virginia. Because you're going to go home. We're going to balance the budget in just a couple of sessions of Congress by cutting the fat out of the budget, which means about 98%. Not really, but a whole lot. You can do it. And I'm going to say something which I never thought I would say. I have come to the point that there is no choice, I'm afraid, 
to term limits. You have to make it, I'm afraid. I don't like this because the problem is with the people, not with the Constitution. Problems with the media that controls the people. And people who don't know their history, don't take the time to learn it, don't have the guts to speak out against the things that exist that are contrary to the Word of God. If you have to make Congress incapable of running for re-election, maybe you can get a Congress that has the guts to do what it needs to do and cut the fat off the pig and reduce the budgets. Department of Energy, Department of the EPA, DOJ, cut their budgets 30, 40, 50%. Let them fire their own. Let them go out and get real jobs. It's from 1 Samuel. I said, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become more corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 8, a message I preached in a church on what you're going to get when you got Barack Obama, first Sunday after he was elected, I said, this is what you have. This is what we have, is what Israel wanted and they got. And it talks about the absolute blowing up of the size of government in Israel under Samuel, who is using the labor of the people. He took the people, the daughters and the sons and the farmers. He took them and made them servants and then said to those who would think about following David, Have not I given you all these jobs? Do you not enjoy this prosperity as a government official? He didn't say that, but that's what he's saying. Working for the government because because of me? Because I've grown up and blown up the size of government? That's how you've got your job. So go get a job with David where you might not have a job. Go serve that king and maybe get laid off. So Benjamin Franklin expressed the goal of America's experiment in liberty when he said, God grant that not only the love of liberty, but a thorough knowledge of the rights of man may pervade all the nations of the earth, so that a philosopher may set his foot anywhere on earth's surface and say, this is my country. You know, we had that song, this is my country. And the idea, this great experiment, was that the experiment would be so successful that the love of liberty would spread throughout all of the globe and that everyone would be welcome and feel at home wherever they set their foot. A grandiose idea. It seems to have overlooked the existence of sin. But nonetheless... God bless you, Benjamin Franklin. As we move now on to Thomas Jefferson, I'm going to move through these quite quickly. Some of these he said, some of these are attributed to him. Some people say he never said these, while others insist they were attributed to him. I'm not going to get into the weeds on that. There are a few cases where we know things were attributed to him that others said, but they were contemporaries of Jefferson. Quote, my reading of history convinces me that most bad government results from too much government. Actually said by John Sharp Williams in a speech about Jefferson. 
but he actually said it about Jefferson. But my reading of history convinces me that most bad government results from too much government. Absolute true. Government gets bigger, you get smaller. Government grows in power, you have less freedom. You have less power. The beauty of the Second Amendment is that it will not be needed until they try to take it from you. Whoa! Just what we are seeing, hearing about. The democracy will cease to exist when you take away from those who are willing to work and give to those who would not. Well, this is absolutely true. I, there's a quote I don't have printed here of Jefferson, but it was attributed to him and one of his contemporaries who I can't remember which one said it. I don't know. It's true. But the problem with democracy is it had within itself the seed of its own destruction, that when people can vote themselves the assets and the prosperity and the goods of other people, it is no longer sustainable. An educated citizenry is a vital requisite for our survival as a free people. We are not educated. Why are we not educated? Because we got left-wing yin-yangs teaching unhistory to to non-history, the make it up, the fake it until you can make it, and then it goes into textbooks. Everybody cites so and so for this and that, and it isn't true. Your children deserve. And your grandchildren deserve better than a government education. It needs to be shut down. Vouchers for everyone. Everyone. It's our tax dollars. It's not the government's dollars. This one, you know, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. A government big enough to give you everything you want is a government big enough to take away everything that you have. You see, I don't even need to make the application of these, do I? All of these sayings, if they aren't smacking you in the face as being true, experientially, intuitively, then you're not very well read. You're not, you're not observing what is obviously going on. Those who hammer their guns into plowshares will end up plowing for those who do not hammer their guns into plowshares. All I can say to that is, yikes, it is absolutely true. When we are dispossessed of our guns in an effort to give us peace, the guns will still exist on the left because there's been no more slaughter of innocent humanity than by governments, all of which were domineering, tyrannical Left-wing governments, what, 92% of people, innocent people killed in the world have been killed as a result of slaughter by a government. George Washington. Good old George. A primary object should be the education of our youth in the science of government. In a republic... Note, what species of knowledge can be equally important? And what duty more pressing than communicating it to those who are to be the future guardians of the liberties of the country? 
you know, uh, I'm not quoting Abraham Lincoln, but for one thing, I'm going to sneak him in here as number five. He wasn't a founding father. So I'm, I'm focusing this on those who were alive in 1776. But he said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation is the philosophy of government in the next. Now you see why the left is rabid about destroying the minds of your children, the healthy, godly sexuality of your children. They're molesting your children educationally, spiritually, emotionally. Those are going to be the ones who are leading this country in just a few short years. A great design by Satan. It's worked well. We have a major hiccup with our current Supreme Court. But they won't hold back the forces for long if there aren't reinforcements from the populace. Next, a free people ought not only to be armed, but disciplined. Thank you, George Washington. Guard against the impostures of pretended patriotism. Oh, this strikes deep. Why? Because you've got the Nancy Pelosi's, you've got the Bidens, you've got all these left-wing yin-yangs who have every intention and are doing a doggone good job of destroying this country, ASAP, who fake patriotism as though what they're doing as tyrannical, diabolical dictators allegedly is in the name of saving democracy. The hypocrisy is palpable. It causes me to want to run to a window, throw it open, and hurl. Washington also said, Experience teaches us that it is much easier to prevent an enemy from posting themselves, which means taking up a position, than it is to dislodge them after they have gotten possession. I'll tell you, the deep state's there, the left is there, they are there. It's not just their nose in the, in the camel's tent. They got their rear end in there as well. We now have the job of trying to root out an evil that has taken root, taken it down deeply. Can it be done? Well, we'll have to see. This one, boy, does this apply to what's going on in Washington, D.C. and in our political realm George Washington, few men have virtue to withstand the highest bidder. B-I-D-D-E-R, not B-I-T-T. The highest bidder. People that are bought off, good people that go to D.C., and then they get corrupted, they get lured, they get seduced by the environment, the money, the accoutrements of office, the perks and the privileges and the pay and the pension and the popularity. Seduced. Next, one of my favorites, Mr. John Adams. But a constitution of government once changed from freedom. Hope you're sitting down. Adams was prophetic because he drew not just on secular history, but biblical history as well. I'll start over. But a constitution of government once changed from freedom can never be restored.
Liberty once lost is lost forever. End quote. That is why this fight is life and death, day and night. No one was ever restored biblically. Once lost without, and I'm going to add this, without a wholesale national repentance. Israel, every time it went into continuous and egregiously offensive sins against God, would come under the subjection of a foreign power. God brought them in. God brought in all the foreign powers. And in one case in Nebuchadnezzar, another case with the Assyrian, uh, the Assyrians hauled Israel off. Ten tribes one time and the other two tribes a second time. It was lost. God prophetically restored Israel. Prophetically. But historically, no nation has been restored. The repentance that occurred in uh, Nineveh was not because they had turned from God. They never knew God. It was not a revival. It was a vival. They came to life for the first time, not a second time. We have no such guarantee in the word. Only Israel's existence, only Israel's existence, is prophetically stated to be permanent. Adams knew this. He went on to say, I must study politics and war so that my sons may have liberty to study mathematics and philosophy. Wow. You see the nation that advances. And, he, and, the, and the rest of that quote really goes on to say that so that the generation that studies mathematics and uh, philosophy can go on to study art and music and all those other forms. In other words, what Adams was saying, that a war for freedom is necessary for not only for freedom to exist, but for freedom to expand in all of its forms. All of its forms. He says, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Wow. No God, no freedom. God says that the people who honor me, this is in 1 Samuel, those who honor me, those I will honor. I will give them that freedom. I will, I will honor them. Those that honor me. Those who don't honor me, I won't honor them. And we are being brought at a ridiculously fast pace under the judgment of God. And will the spanking correct us? Will it bring us to a repentance? Probably not, or at least not until it gets a whole lot worse. But it doesn't change what I'm doing. I'm fighting all the way. Children should be educated and instructed in the principles of freedom. Because Adams knew that, and because that's what we taught, is why the left is absolutely out to ensure that that every single child uh, and every single graduating class has a higher percentage of students ignorantly, abysmally desiring socialism. Fear. 
I'm quoting back to quoting Adams. Fear is the foundation of most governments. Is it not? That's all we hear. Fear this pandemic. Fear the fear the Omicron. Fear this. Fear fear poop. Fear all of this garbage. What does Scripture say? Fear is bondage. So if fear is the foundation of most governments, then most governments are are desirous of keeping us in bondage to be enslaved. Adams went on to say. There are two ways to conquer and enslave a country. One is by the sword, and other is by debt. Oh, my goodness. $31 trillion in debt. $31 trillion in debt. They print money so fast today that, goodness sakes, it's in people's hands before the ink is dry. We're supposedly flush with money. It's increasingly worthless. We are increasingly in debt to China. And what does it say in Scripture? Adams knew this, but I'm going to interject it. The borrower is servant to the lender. We are in hock up to $31 trillion. China owns it, and a few other people like Bill Gates, who just bought $13.5 million of farmland in North Dakota this past week. But we are in hock up to our eyeballs. We cannot get out of debt. But for a turn to God, a slashing of government spending, firing people, not getting involved in wars we don't have any have any connection with, we do not need to be spending billions and billions on Ukraine. Stay out of a mother, another man's affairs, like picking up a dog by the ears. We've talked about that at great length in the past. And so, here we are. We're at a crossroads, America. We at uh, the Robin Walter Show here under the ministry of Red Sky Radio, we're doing all we can. I do all I can to preserve our freedom. I've got a limited voice. I pray for a bigger microphone. I pray that you would pray for me to have a bigger microphone and that I'd be faithful in dispensing my duties, as I've been called. This Independence Day, you know, I, I'm asking you, and this is not a JFK thing, not ask what the country can do for you, but we, you can do for your country. But it's sort of like that. But ask you what you can do. What is your role going forward in attempting to secure the blessings of liberty for our posterity? I don't do this for myself. I'm at an age where that's not an issue. I do it for my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, which most of you have. You ask what you can do. Ask God what you can do. You see, when Israel sinned, it went into bondage. The repentance brought freedom. But the only question here, this Independence Day, is the, the repentance in the U.S. on a wholesale basis is it possible? What is What can you do to encourage and advocate for repentance? Yes, pray. But prayer by itself, I'm going to tell you, is not enough. Because it says in James that faith without works is dead. 
Is it possible without being destroyed? History suggests not. But from time immortal, God is determined to, you know, he was determined to destroy the earth 150 years before he actually destroyed it. Right back in the time of Noah, God was so long-suffering. But he also said, my spirit will not always strive with man. So this Independence Day, you know that our independence can only be secure if we are, in fact, dependent, dependent upon God, our Maker, His laws, His statutes. No, the country won't be 100% Christian. It never was. But it never has had to be to secure those blessings and liberty for our posterity. This is Robin Walter on behalf of the Robin Walter Show and Red Sky Radio. Wishing you, blessing you a blessed Independence Day. And that everyone, you and those you can influence, to sit tall in the saddle. You ride for the brand of Christ. We don't have to change the world. That is not our job per se. Our job is to be faithful to what God has called us to do. Whether what we do results in what we desire to have done or not, we need to be faithful. For he says that what we would want to hear, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So sit tall in the saddle. Remember, you ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.